Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am so glad you are back with us. We are talking with Tyler Hogan this week about learning styles. And this is part of our homeschool survival series. If you missed a really extensive episode on Monday, go back and listen to that. We went way over time because it was such a great conversation and I just could not wrap it up uh, because we have so much to talk about. And this is so important. This topic of understanding how our kids learn, how they are to memorize things, what how their memory works, how they concentrate on things. Um, it, it's so fascinating to me. And it's something that as a homeschool parent, we really do need to understand because we have the ability to teach our kids to their specific learning style. God has created each one of them uniquely. And so we're gonna talk about that today, how, how God's made each one of us in a unique way and we learn differently. And so we're gonna dig into that. Um, but before we do that, I wanna thank our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great math curriculum program, online program, go to ctcmath.com, try them out for free, see if it's a good match for your family, ctcmath.com. Our family loves them. Um, Tyler, welcome back to the podcast. This is thank super fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is a great conversation. As you were talking in the last episode on Monday, we were talking about filing different things in our brains and how, you know, we pull different files and how that's how our memory works. And And I was thinking about the movie Inside Out. Um, mm-hmm. I love that movie. That is, I, I think, probably my favorite animated film because it's... it's it is a brilliant it, work of art. It, it is absolutely brilliant. I don't often... Um, recommend movies on this podcast, but that is what I would say is one that if you guys have not seen that movie, it's by Pixar. Um, if you have not yet seen that movie, watch it because it is absolutely fantastic. And it will help. It actually helps us as humans to understand how the human brain works a little bit. It really does. Like they did a, an amazing portrayal of the multi- uh, store model of memory and you know yes. things coming into that view screen that's your sensory input the things that the the five emotions are talking right. about that's the working memory and then some things get filed off into the to the rest of the brain's great filing system and things that don't get accessed in a long time they uh-huh. decay and eventually you can't find them anymore like all of that stuff some of it's just intuitive but it's yeah. it's very accurate to the best of our understanding of how the mind works it is. It's so funny. There have been many times with my girls where they're going through some emotion and it's like I could just label them with joy or sadness or, you know, whatever. Or disgust. Or disgust or <laughs> anger, you know, happy, whatever it is. Joy is my favorite, of course. Um, she, she, she just makes that movie. But it, it definitely, if you guys haven't seen it, um, watch it. It's called Inside Out. Um, but today I want to dig really deep into... Um, we're, we're talking about learning styles and you wrote a book called Demystifying, Demystifying Learning Styles. And so we're going to talk about modalities. And I'm going to tell you that was a new word to me when it came to learning styles. And so I'm going to have you dissect that. We're going to talk about modalities and motivation. Um, and so I'll, I'm going to let you just kind of dig deep into this and explain right. to us what modalities are and how they work with teaching our kids. So the the modalities are people are probably familiar with the words that that go underneath it. Um, the VAC model is visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Uh, some people add a add an R to that and make it a VARC. <laughs> and, and that's um, 
reading and writing as a okay. separate modality. And uh, I mean, this theory goes all the way back to ancient Greece and in terms of thinking about how do people learn and, and what what makes it easy for us to take in new information. Mm-hmm. And the idea with these modalities is that if you teach in a way that matches your students' preferred learning modality, they will learn better. They will learn more mm-hmm. and they will be able to remember things better. And there's a, an aspect of that that just feels intuitively right. Um, but the hard part is there's not actually any scientific evidence to back that idea up, which feels crazy to us. Like, surely, surely there's got to be evidence around here somewhere. Um, And as I was digging into this topic, what I found was that there's zero links between mapping or matching a student's preferred learning modality uh, with your teaching and having that generate better academic performance. No links. Interesting. What there is a strong link, the studies show us that mapping to your student's preferred modality can improve their motivation. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have better academic performance, but if they're motivated, there's a good chance they'll perform better. Yeah. Um, and I like calling these learning preferences rather than learning styles, because style sounds like if you don't teach this way, your student can't learn. Sure. And, and that's just not true. Like, I might be an auditory learner, but if I see a chart, that doesn't mean I can't understand it. Right. It just means that that's not my favorite way right. of having information presented to me. So there, there was a amazing, beautiful study that was done on this topic um, a few years back. And um, so what they, what they had was a group of elementary school students uh, elementary to middle school, and they were going to be doing some new construction on their school building. And they wanted to get student input on what they liked about their current building, things they didn't like and thought could be improved, and, and that sort of thing. And so what they did was they gave all of the kids an assessment to find out you know, what was their preferred modality. And then they gave all of the kids the same three exercises. First off, they gave them all little disposable cameras and had them take pictures of places around the school, places they liked, places they didn't like, and then uh, had them write just like a a sentence or two about why they took a picture of that spot. Secondly, they had discussion groups. So after they had the pictures up on boards, they'd make small group discussions. And while they were talking, uh, the researchers were timing each student to see how long they spoke. And then the third activity was they gave all the kids a little GPS armband and sent them outside to go play for recess and tracked where on the playground they spent the most time. Interesting. And who went, you know, all the way out to the edge of the fence and and where they tended to congregate. And what they found was that students who were visual learners mm-hmm took like 20 to 40% more pictures mm-hmm. than non-visual learners. So they had a higher photography output. Students who were auditory learners talked like 20% longer than yeah. their non-auditory <laughs> companions. And that's a, an important thing about auditory learners. Auditory learners don't just need to hear you. Mm-hmm. They also need to talk to you. It's yep. both input and output. That's 
they're equally important. Interesting. And then the kinesthetic learners went 20% farther when they were being tracked on the GPS thing. So they spent more time exploring and yeah, going to they needed to experience more places. Yeah. So what I mean obviously this wasn't tracking academic performance, but sure. it was tracking output based on what your learning style was. So the conclusion was that if if you're being given an assignment that fits your modality, mm-hmm. you're going to engage with that more. You're going to produce more. You're going to invest more. And that can lead to much higher motivation and better practice, which leads to better performance. So if we're trying to match our students' modalities, uh-huh. that's what we should expect is they're more likely to engage. Now, there's also a problem with matching our students' modalities uh, that does not really get a lot of dialogue and I think needs to. And that's the idea that uh, we also need to not just help our students learn in the way that is best for them, but we need to prepare them for lives outside of the home. Yes. Where things are not going to be presented to them <laughs> for modality. Right, because not so, every employer is going to ask, what is your learning right? modality? <laughs> yeah, your college professor, your employer, you right. know, your commanding officer, they don't care. Right. <laughs> they just want you to do the thing. And if they care at all, that's like a miracle. So we need to we need to be able to use these modalities mm-hmm. to help them in, in subject areas where they're already demotivated. Mm-hmm. So if, if your kid hates math, don't give them something that's not going to fit their learning preferences. Give them something that's going to make it easier right. to engage. You know, that's just one less barrier that you have to overcome as a teacher. Yeah. But if your student is highly motivated then that might be a great opportunity to throw something at them that's going to be more challenging. You know, if they're an auditory learner and you give them a curriculum that's very visual, that's going to be harder for them. Mm -hmm. Not that they can't do it, but it's going to make them engage their brain more. Sure. And, And if it's the subject that they have a lot of natural talent in, that can be really important because so many times students who are really good at something, really motivated in something, Um, They just rely on their natural talent and will float by not having to work very hard until they hit their ceiling for their natural talent. And then once it gets hard, they stop because they don't know how to engage with the material and work hard at it and push through that difficulty boundary. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of value in matching when a student is demotivated Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and flexing, yes. <laughs> they're already highly motivated. Yeah, so fascinating. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you struggling with managing homeschooling your child on a day-to-day basis? BJU Press has a new homeschool planner that can simplify your homeschooling. With BJU Press Homeschool Hub, you can see your child's work for each day, track grades, and grade assignments all in one organized system. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub can make your experience more manageable and more enjoyable. You can have the resources you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the Hub can improve your homeschooling. Are you ready to restore our constitutional republic? 
Patriot Academy is on the front lines of the mission to educate, train, and inspire millions of citizens to know and live their freedoms. With courses and materials from America's Constitution coach, Rick Green, Patriot Academy's Constitution training will equip you to be a leader in your community. You don't have to know anything about history, the Constitution, or the law to get started. The courses and coach training are free. Find a class today or sign up to be a Constitution coach at patriotacademy.com. Again, that's patriotacademy.com. We are back with Tyler. Uh, it's so interesting when we think about the different learning modalities. I, I, I had mentioned earlier about how my older daughter learns differently than I do. She learns more like my husband does, and she is, um, you know, she requires things, listening to things as she's learning if she needs to focus on something. Um, and she is definitely an auditory learner. And when I also learned that about her was years ago when she was in, I think, third grade-ish, somewhere, you know, in that third grade year, um, she did a Bible Bee with our church. It was the, an Awana Bible Bee. And she could read, but she had all of the information that she needed to learn for the Bible Bee. And, she, and I was like, okay, here, go. <laughs> and she really wanted to do this Bible Bee, but she had this list of stuff and it was just a bunch of letters and words on a page. And she was like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I, being the smart mom that I figured out that I could, you know, could do was I got my phone, my iPhone at the time, and I recorded for her on my little recorder all of the stuff that she needed to learn. And I just read it off of the page and, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world and, and all the mm-hmm. stuff. And then I would give her my phone and she would sit and she would color and she would draw and she would play with her Legos and she would play with her dolls and she would just play for hours and she would listen to it over and over, over and, and over, over again. And, over, yeah. and she got second place in that Bible bee. Um, she and her friend teamed up and they both got second place. And she never- <laughs> Without ever looking at the page. She literally never one time looked at it, ever. She only listened to it. So then when she went on stage and they asked the question, she was able to just recall the information because she had heard it and it had just soaked into her brain. Yeah. And it was fascinating to me because I am not an auditory learner. I am so visual, over mm-hmm. the top visual. I visualize everything. I've told our audience this before. I always have a a, a movie going on in my head at all times. Mm-hmm. I always have a picture. I never have a waking moment where I don't have a picture of something. If I'm talking to you on the phone, I, I have a picture of you and and what, you know, if you're in the kitchen doing dishes, but like I'm picturing everything. And um, and so I've learned that not everybody does that. And I was like, really? I just, <laughs> I thought everybody always pictured everything in their minds all the time, but because I'm visual and not auditory, um, I do. But if I hear stuff, I, I have a very hard time remembering it. So in church, for me, I have to take notes. If I want to actually remember what is being taught, I have to sit with a pencil and paper and I have to take notes on it Yeah. or else I'm not going to remember very much of anything that was being taught. So anyway, it's so interesting. And so um, I've I've got an artist friend who he will do cartooning while he listens to sermon and and sometimes he posts his his sermon (laughs) notes and they're just these little (laughs) cartoons that he's doodling in service. And I mean, you you might look at that and be like, oh. Why is he doodling in surface? No, he's trying to pay attention. That's yeah, you're right. That's how he yeah. gets the most out of it. Absolutely. I've seen um, ladies in church sometimes and they're like knitting sweaters or blankets and things like that because they have to do something with their hands yeah. in order to pay attention. And that would be your kinesthetic learner. 
yeah. um, who does something like that. So, um, so let's talk really quickly about how how can we harness our, the preferred learning because we talked about it being a a, a preference, a yes. learning preference. How can we harness that and help th- help our kids engage in what we're trying to teach them and actually learn the material that we're wanting them to learn? Uh, and that's such a good question because each one has a different set of activities that works well. And sometimes there's overlap. And I, and I love that when there's overlap um, because it makes it easier when you've got a big family. And everybody has their own style. Um, but let's start with visual learners. So okay. these, these are the people, you know, like, like yourself, like my wife, she's a painter. She visualizes everything. You know, she's got that movie going on in her head. They need strong mental images, mm-hmm. those visual impressions. So things like uh, flashcards or asking them to make a diagram or take a graphic organizer and fill it out. Um, doing concept mapping and illustrations, you know, labeling pictures, those sorts of things are very, very helpful. Um, and the more material you can give them that's well illustrated, has lots of good diagrams, has color, <laughs> color is really important for visual learners, the better. And just feed them that kind of information because they'll remember yeah. it. Sure. And you know, my wife has one of those incredible photorealistic memories where she can just take a mental snapshot and remember exactly what it looks like and all the different shades of color and everything. And I'm just, I'm in awe of that. I actually, <laughs> I can barely picture colors when I oh, try wow. and imagine anything. My, wow. my, my imagination is grayscale. Yeah. Do Sometimes you dream in color re- or in, in black and white? Do you know? Black and white for the most part. Yeah. Sometimes I can get a little bit of red. Interesting. <laughs> that's about it. And does she dream in color? Do you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, dream in color too because I'm a, a visual learner. I, I had a dream in color a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, this, this is an accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just did something here. But yeah, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. But if yeah. it does, it's not just a nice thing. It's like, I want this. This is right. how I... This is how I feed my brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so catering whatever it is that we're trying to teach them to their things. So that's how you do visual. Yeah. So it, it's a matter of both giving them visual things to look at, okay, and then also asking for visual output. Mm-hmm. So you can give them diagrams, and that's really helpful. You can also ask them, you know, instead of writing this all out in paragraph format draw me a cartoon about it or a comic book Mm -hmm. about it. Like sometimes that is going to be what makes it appeal to them because now they don't have to be only concerned with words. Right. They can add some visual flair to it and that makes them feel excited. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Okay. So what about auditory and kinesthetic? Let's um, talk on those for just a couple minutes. They need to hear things. They need mm-hmm. uh, lectures. They need songs. They need chants. They need yeah. uh, dramatization. They need story. They love debate. Read-alouds are amazing. They just love to hear books read aloud to them like as much as possible. Yeah. And if you can't do the read-aloud, they'll settle for an audio book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, mom's voice tends to be preferred. <laughs> and... Again, it's the input and output. So not only right. do they need to hear everything, they need to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of families have kids who are just absolute chatterboxes. Yeah. They can't get a moment's quiet because their kid is always talking to them. And that's because 
they're auditory learners and they just have to get their words out. Yep. You know, they learn by teaching. If they can tell you about it, that's how they solidify the information yeah. in their head. It's not fully real unless they have talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting when it comes to narration, which we've talked mm -hmm. about, you know, we, we talked about that um, with Charlotte Mason um, and, and actually Charlotte Mason in both classical, there's lots of narration, but especially Charlotte Mason um, studying a uh, teaching style is that those kids can narrate, but some of them are going to narrate verbally and some kids mm -hmm. do much better to actually write it out. And some kids, like you said, they could draw a picture of it yeah. and that would work best for them. Yeah. And, and when there's a mix of both input and output at the same time, like singing a song, mm -hmm. I know a lot of classical studies have a lot of songs or chants that you do in those early years. That's just, here's the facts and we're going to sing them over and over again. Yeah. And to some people that's just obnoxious, but to auditory learners, they're getting input and output at the same time because they can participate right. in it. Yes. And it's incredibly helpful. And as they get older, you can start engaging them in, you know, more thought-provoking discussion questions or debate or, you know, good old Socratic method inquiry. That kind of thing works really well. Um, and, and they tend to like group projects more because, not necessarily projects, but uh, small group discussions more because they have more people to bounce their words around with. And that, yeah. that's very, uh, sometimes that's an introvert-extrovert kind of a thing, but uh -huh. not necessarily. Yeah. Um, but just yeah. giving them a chance to listen and then an equal amount of time to talk. Super yes. important. That is so important. Okay. Last, lastly, because we have literally just a couple minutes, I don't want to go over too long on this one, but let's talk about kinesthetic. Kinesthetic people, they need to do, they need to move, they need mm -hmm. to get their body engaged. So uh, doing things like attaching hand gestures to things that they need mm -hmm. to memorize, yep. super helpful. Um, letting them do storytelling and act things out. Uh, dramatizations and you know things where you know all right now you're going to be this character or this object or this idea and let them figure out how do I embody this physically. Yeah. Um, I, some of my kids when they were really little they were learning about the three states of matter and they did an interpretive dance about solid, <laughs> liquid, and gas. There were three girls and for solid they stood really close together and like were barely moving and then they did liquid and they started flowing around each other and moving a little bit more. And then for gas, they started running around the room like crazy, bouncing off the walls. And like, okay, I mean, they couldn't tell you with good vocabulary words what's going on here, but they understood sure. the molecules are either packed tightly together or spaced far apart. And there's more energy yeah. the farther apart they are. Like they got those concepts and an interpretive dance was the way to do it. That's so fun. Yeah. Kinesthetic kids, they need to be able to build things, to make yeah. models and dioramas. They need to do the science experiments and watch things explode. Um, they, <laughs> Those they are your Lego kids. Your Lego kids, your chemistry kids. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, if it's just a matter of they just need to move and they're fidgeting all the time, you know, mm -hmm. let them take a break yeah. every couple minutes and do a couple laps around the coffee table or around the house, depending on how fast they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, I knew I knew someone who they gave their daughter a treadmill for Christmas and she just walked while she did all of her reading. Yeah. Um, so things like that help so much because school was not built for these poor kinesthetic no. kids. No. They're just, it's so hard for them. Yes. Um, 
But you know, when when we think about all of these different modalities and how we want to try and reach them, um, there's a, a particular verse that comes to mind, and it's Deuteronomy chapter six, four through nine, and it, it's a very famous verse. You know, it's the teach them diligently passage. Uh-huh. You know, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and and this is where I just hear so much love and grace from God. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When I first read that passage, I thought, oh man, this is intense. Why does God expect so much from every parent? But as I started studying learning styles, I realized we're seeing all of the learning styles in this passage. Yeah, This isn't just about putting a burden on parents. It's about casting a wide net so that whatever your kid's style is, you've found a way to engage them, whether you're talking or walking or writing or making signs, like all of those styles are covered because God doesn't want anybody's modality to get in the way of them knowing him. And as parents, when we activate our kids' modalities mm-hmm. and motivate them to engage, we're doing them such a great service, particularly when it comes to spiritual things. There's never a good reason to to make your kids flex their modalities yeah. when it comes to their relationship with God. You want to motivate them. You want to get them to taste and see that the Lord is good, Amen. whatever their style is. Amen. Oh, I love that. Okay, there is no better way to end this episode than that. Pointing them back to Jesus, teaching them how to learn about their Savior and their Creator. Thank you so much, Tyler, for being with me again today. We are going to be back tomorrow to tie up um, this this whole week on learning styles and how we can teach our kids and how they learn. It's so exciting. Um, I really appreciate all of the effort and study that you've put into this so that we can learn from you. Um, I am that student who's learning from you right now, and so it's really fun. Um, Thank you again for being with us. Where can people find out more about you, Tyler? Writeideaspress.com. That's our that's our publishing company. We do geography, history, science, literature, pretty much anything but math. Um, And we try and write all of our curriculum to appeal to a wide variety of learning styles and to make it easier for any parent and teacher to do a great job teaching their kids. Uh, And we have a book called Demystifying Learning Styles. Mm That goes into all of this and more, and I hope you'll uh, you'll take a minute to pick that up. It's a quick read. Yep. I tried to make it as, as quick and practical as possible. Yes, yes, it's a fantastic book. Um, I got a copy of it, and you guys, this it, we're, there, we can only hit so much of this this week. Definitely get the book because it will it digs so much deeper into all of this. But it's like you said, it's an easy read. And so it really, I'm a highlighting girl because I'm visual. So I've got my highlighter and I've got my book and I love to go through and just highlight all of the things that I want to remember. Um, So thank you for taking the time to write that book and for teaching us this week. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you tomorrow. If you've not left a review for the podcast, we would love it if you would do that. If you are enjoying this podcast and it's a blessing to you, let us know. Let us know how it's blessing you. And that helps others to know how it can be a blessing to them as well. So if you would go to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, leave a review. We would greatly appreciate that. Have a great rest of your week and we will see you back here tomorrow. Bye.
What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.